Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. You are listening to the 956 Drive Home here on 710KURV. I'm Davis Rankin, and we're joined by Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report, the Quorum Report, which is available at quorumreport.com, um, newsletter, and uh, sometimes it's almost a blog. Scott Braddock, how long have you been? Well, let me get right to it. We're talking with Scott because today is the first day of a called special session called by the governor as only yeah. um, as Texas law allows to deal with uh, with uh, education, that is, some sort of voucher system. And what else is on the call, the, the list? The governor is also asking legislators to weigh in and pass something, although he hasn't been really clear, but something about border security and immigration. Uh, and so there are several ideas floating around about that. Uh, and he also, this one this one was a little bit of a surprise because the, the you know, the border security that's an ongoing thing, right? And the um, the voucher issue has been sort of the cause celeb for the governor all year. He's been campaigning about this while legislators have been in session and not in session. Now they're back today. Um, but the, the other thing that was kind of a surprise is uh, banning uh, private employers from being able to mandate that their employees have COVID vaccines. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. But you know what I'm reminded of, Davis? You remember... In 2017, when the big red meat topic was the bathroom bill, uh-huh. transgender people using public facilities, you remember how the governor handled the special session on that? He I, loaded up the agenda with a bunch of other things, a lot of the things that you know you might consider sort of red meat for the Republican base. And I think he did that at the time, fully knowing that the bathroom bill was not going to pass because at that time, you remember Speaker Joe Strauss from San yeah. Antonio, he was just completely against it. It wasn't going to move in the House. Uh, even though there were probably enough votes for it, uh, if it had made its way to the floor, but it didn't happen. This time around, there aren't the votes in the House on the floor uh, for a school voucher program. Mm-hmm. I think the governor knows that um, you know the numbers aren't any different. That you have a lot of Republicans who think that it's a bad idea. It's sort of a you know intra-party fight with Republicans. Most almost all Democrats are against it, with with a couple of exceptions. Um, but there are enough Republicans to keep it from moving in the House. So maybe the governor just thinks if he loads up the agenda with plenty of other stuff, including immigration and mm. something on vaccine mandates that he can get some victories on that and maybe move on. Um, is he going to be likely to get victories on the other things? Do you, do you know? I think that the Republicans in the legislature will find some agreement on immigration and border security. I don't know exactly what yeah. they're going to pass just yet, because as I said, there are some things that are floating around. You remember uh, during the regular session, there was that proposal to uh, deputize citizens yeah, yeah. to patrol the border. There's a version of that that's floating around right now. 
There's also another proposal that I saw. I think it's from uh, a state representative from the Houston area, a proposal to uh, have uh, state authorities be able to um, uh, deport undocumented people uh, without waiting for the feds to do it, uh, which, uh, you know, if you look at some of these things, they, they look unconstitutional on their face because uh, on the immigration, uh, it's pretty well been understood that yeah. uh, it is the federal government's purview to deal with immigration enforcement. Although there are some folks who do think, uh, you know, very smart people are saying, as President Trump would say, very smart people are saying that <laughs> the legislature might be setting up to try to challenge that. Uh, you remember there was yeah. a ruling uh, from the Supreme Court uh, when Arizona tried to have its own yeah. border enforcement. And once again, the Supreme Court found that only the feds can do that. Uh, you know, the courts are different now. The Supreme Court has different members now, yeah. you know, than from when it made that decision. And it might be that Texas is, is you know, kind of teeing up to, to challenge all that. So I do think they'll get some agreement on immigration, but on school vouchers. It's hard to see how it's going to happen, uh, even if the uh, I would say it this way, even if the governor keeps legislators in Austin until the Christmas trees are up in both the Texas House <laughs> and Senate. I don't think they're going to come to agreement on a voucher program. So certainly not a big one like the governor's been talking about making all students all across Texas, 5.5 million or so who are in Texas public schools, trying to make them all eligible for a voucher. That's just that's a no go in the Texas House. There might be room to negotiate on a smaller plan, something that would only be vouchers for kids who already attend yeah. uh, F-rated campuses, uh, you know, throughout the school mm -hmm. uh, system in Texas. Um, but anything much bigger than that, I think, is dead on arrival in the House. Uh, we're talking with Scott Braddock, who's, um, I think his title is editor of the Quorum Report, which is available yes, at quorumreport.com. Um, Appreciate the shameless plug. There's nothing shameless about it. Thrust your chest it's out. It's only shameless you know. if I do it. Well, yeah, but yeah. if you don't, if you don't do it, if you don't thump a tub, um, I'm not sure how many other people are going to do it. Um, so um, that would explain, I suppose, uh, the fact that it's not going to pass because they're not the votes that uh, most, almost all Democrats are opposed to a voucher plan, and then yeah. a few Republicans are not, but most Republicans are especially rural districts because those are big employers. Somebody said everybody's wife works for a school, works for a school district yeah. in rural mm -hmm. Texas. Um, so they're going to move on to something else. I see, um, and there's no way to, there's no way to, uh, there's no way to split this blanket or solemnize the uh, splitting of the baby, right? It's either or. And there is no template out there to look at and say, because there's not been, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as I speak, which is better than not thinking as I speak, but, but there's, there's no, there's no example there that we can go yes or no. It's like buying a pig in a poke in a sense, right? On the voucher deal, um, it's, it sounds like, and this is the, the way the governor has presented, presented it to the legislators all year. It's either all or nothing. You know, he mm -hmm. wants the biggest, hairiest, baddest, uh, mm -hmm. you know, school, quote, school choice program in the nation. He and Lieutenant Governor Patrick have been talking about it that way all year. And, of course, uh, the Lieutenant Governor has been on the school choice train uh, for many years. Uh, Governor Abbott's just kind of showing up to this deal now. 
And of course, there's a lot of speculation about why he's so fired up about this. Uh, I might have mentioned on the show previously, but I'll say this again. Um, I was told that at a recent fundraiser, the governor told some of his largest contributors, people who write big checks to him, uh, that he might be coming back to them soon for another reason. And he said that, hey, the biggest issue for Republican voters nationally is immigration. And I've got a few things to say about that. So if he's considering running for president, considering running for president, I think it, I think this is true. That's been kind of speculated if publicly. If you're, yeah, if you're Governor Abbott, you are in a kind of a unique position as one of the Republicans, like Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia. Mm-hmm. You're one of the Republicans who hasn't been bloodied up yet in the Republican primary nationally because they're not running. Uh, and if for some reason former President Trump flames out, you know, the, one of these prosecutions goes, you know, really wrong for him nationally or or whatever, you know, Republican voters might be looking around for somebody to swoop in and be their hero a few months from now or six months from now. And it could be somebody like Abbott. It could be somebody like Yunkin. So they want to position themselves. Yeah. And when it comes to the school voucher issue, this is where I'm, I'm really cynical, Davis, but I was reminded earlier today because a friend of mine was saying that, um, you know, that they were cynical about politics. And I reminded them that, you know, cynicism is just an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest. So <laughs> Abbott, Abbott may want some of that sweet, sweet money from the contributors who are interested in school choice nationally, like the Betsy uh, DeVos, and mm-hmm. the Betsy DeVos family, the folks who founded Amway. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't surprise people that the Amway folks are the ones who are pushing a pyramid scheme for schools. Oh, now but here you have that's here that's have, Scott's idea. That's not my idea. Pyramid scheme. Here, here you here you have. Um, you know, the governor may be going to, as they say, drag the sack for national cash. <laughs> and, well, he, he was know, down. If he, if he can show that he's some kind of school choice champion, that would help him in running for president if he decides to do that. I want to say about five years ago, before COVID, a fellow went to a breakfast here. I think it was a thousand dollar a ticket. And he told me the next day we were, there was a number of us. And he said, yeah, they're, they're talking about Abbott running for the discussion at the thing was that Abbott may run for president, but uh, let's. Who knows that's what it's going to with Hamas and all this? Who who knows what's going to be on our? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lurching from cliche to cliche from one. What's going to be on our plate? As former Governor Bill Clemens used to say, "My plate is full." Hmm. So um, the it would be good. In my opinion, it would be good to litigate uh, immigration laws again to get a definitive word again to find out what we can do again um, or to find out what we can and cannot do. I thought I read a reference to a bill that would mimic, that would give DPS, Department of Public Safety, laws that mimic what the Border Patrol can do. Did you read that? Yeah, there have been some proposals uh, along those lines. Um, But as far as what else the state can do when it comes to immigration and border security, they've got to be running. They are running out of any ideas. I mean, think about the fact that, and Speaker Dade Phelan says this all the time, since he was elected, Texas has spent about 12 
billion dollars on border security, including what uh, has been done under Operation Lone Star, the big uh, operation that was initiated by Governor Abbott. And at some point, you have to ask, all that money spent for what? We still see record numbers, uh, you know, this summer of migrants coming in from yeah. various places, including Venezuela. It's got a lot of people um, freaked up north now, finally. There are a lot, right. Well, there's a lot of people freaked up, freaked out up north. There's a lot of people freaked out here as well. Um, but we're still not addressing, you know, with all this border enforcement, and I understand there's a lot of people who, who think we just need to be enforcing laws that we have, but with all this border enforcement, I think it highlights the need to do something different because we have spent billions of our mm -hmm. own dollars. Billions has been spent nationally as well with border patrol and everything else. And, and I've started to say, Davis, that, look, I think Democrats and Republicans would both have to eat it about certain things to have some kind of immigration and border security reform in Washington. On the Democratic side, there might have to be some changes to asylum laws that may, they may not like. Yeah. For the Democrats. And on, on the Republican side, there might have to be some changes to uh, work authorizations, you know, for certain folks in certain places that, that some of the base of the Republican Party might not like. But you're not going to cut off the flow of migration into this country just by putting more troops down there, more police down yeah. there, building wall in certain places and all that. You got to get to the root causes of why people are coming here in the first place. Because life sucks no where, they really I, I life sucks where they live. I want to explore. Yeah, I want it sucks where they live, and they think that it'll be better here. Well, Why does anybody move from one place to, to any other place? Yeah. Why do Californians move to Texas? They think it's going to be better. All right, Scott Braddock is with the Quorum Report, and you can read his work daily at quorumreport.com. Uh, Scott, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We will be talking with you again. This is the 956 Drive Home here on 17KRV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURV. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. By way of introduction uh, of our guest, I was talking to a friend of mine in Houston whose son had contemplated going over and serving a term in the uh, what they call the IDF. You'll hear that you'll hear that a lot if you watch television news coverage, Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, but he decided, the, the son decided uh, ultimately not to do it. Uh, but he said, my friend, that he had a fraternity brother whose son had gone to serve and got shot in the shoulder and he was in a hospital and he knew others who were doing it. So uh, here to talk about that and also just to, to give us any insights uh, that he can is uh, Rabbi of Chabad, RGV, uh, Asher Hecht. Thank you for being with us, Rabbi. Before we go, tell us what Chabad is. Chabad is a, a Jewish organization that's in over 100 countries. We've got a, got a thousand centers here in, in America alone, and we're here to provide a path in which people can grow spiritually, 
and uh, bring a sense of meaning to all of humanity to fulfill the purpose of creation, to make this world a more divine and good place. Uh, our primary focus is first on the Jewish community, but also to bring a message to all humanity to find some sort of divine path mm. to live by. There doesn't seem to be much divinity going on over um, <clears throat> in Gaza right now. What Do you know anybody from here who is serving in the Israeli Defense Forces? What's the relationship, I guess, is probably a better question. Well, independent of any direct relationship, I mean, I have a brother that his son is uh, in the Israeli army, and he's on his way right now to Israel to join his unit to protect the Golan Heights. He's a Golani, uh, he's in the B Golani Brigade. It's one of the top mm -hmm. units in the IDF. But yet you have to understand, we're Jews of the Rio Grande Valley, but we're also Jews of Israel. Israel is the homeland of the Jewish people. It's our ancestral land that God promised as a, as a place for the Jewish people to inhabit and to, to, to settle. And that's where our temples were. And this is where we hope one day the third temple with the messianic uh, revelation will will be rebuilt so we people are asking me rabbi i hope you don't have cousins they hope you're not family that every jew has family in israel it's either your cousin's cousin your friend's friend your brother's sister mother father i mean we, we nephews nieces i have two mm -hmm. nephews living in israel now i spent two years myself in israel i mean israel is 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 is, is our is our front yard backyard it's it's our home so when something happens in Israel, mm -hmm. every Jew it feels feels it around the world. This is this is this is our place, our spiritual haven, and uh, what's going on is is that is I, I don't I don't know the words. It's yeah. devastating. We're mortified by it. It's yeah. It's, the situation is a disaster. I found myself struggling and decided to quit struggling to get the next descriptor of this because it's in some ways is just kind of beyond um sort of just beyond you know the uh, uh did you ever um did you ever think hamas would let me back up there's a thousand questions and not enough time uh hamas sure. is an organization of palest of of arabs i assume they're all arabs i don't know that who are opposed to the establishment of the state of israel am i correct about that and they want to wipe Israel off the map? Hamas, if you want me to simplify it for you, Hamas are the new Nazis. They're Jew haters. It happens to be that today Israel houses 7.5 million Jews. We're talking about almost uh, more than 50% of the Jewish population in the world. There's no other place in the world in one place that houses more than that amount of Jews. They're, they're, they're against Israel's Settlement of the land of Israel. They're against the Israeli settlement of the land of Israel. They they want to wipe Israel off the map. They want no Jewish state of Israel, and only a terrorist state of Hamas. I mean, these people are are evil at its core. They murdered this this week alone so far 900 Israeli civilians. Okay, men, women, yeah. and children. They took hostage a hundred. Israeli civilians, children, little children. I mean, look at these videos that are going on. They're rallying women through the streets. I mean, these are barbaric animals. Someone called them human animals. I don't know if we could even associate the word human with these people. And they need to be eliminated. This is, this is, this is America against ISIS and the Taliban. And, and 
and, and, and this is Israel in Israel's backyard. Uh, do, do, um, do you have any, um, well, let me ask one other question. You have Hamas, which is centered, as I understand, in Gaza, the Gaza Strip, and then Hezbollah, which is part of the government of Lebanon, which is right. kind of, and, and they also uh, are dedicated to the destruction of Israel, if I'm right. What's the difference between the two? I mean, the difference is the geographic. I mean, the, they have the same ideology, and it's the same ideology that Iran has. And if, and if I want to go a little further, I'll say even the PLO has. Some know how to camouflage it in different, in, in, in different clothing, presenting themselves as people of peace and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, if you read their charters, you hear their announcements when they talk to their own people. They want the, the, they want the, the end of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. And if they, had, if, they had, if they could get their hands on Jews around the world, they would kill them also. These are people that are responsible for terrorist attacks <laughs> around the world also. Um, so this is just different geographic locations, yeah. same hatred, same, 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 uh, same attitude towards the Jewish people. I mean, yep. That's the voice of Asher Hecht. He is a rabbi at Chabad RGV, and if memory serves, you were a third-generation rabbi. Are Jews in the Valley uh, in danger? I don't think Jews in the Valley are any more in danger than Jews in the United States. Uh, Anti-Semitism sadly exists today, and it exists everywhere in the world. Um, generally, I could say that I feel safe in the Valley as a Jew, and I think most Jewish people that live here feel safe. We are the local law enforcement uh, and um, the local community is pretty much respectful and uh, has embraced Jewish life here. But but all you need is one crazy. Yeah. You need one crazy guy, especially we're on the border here. We're vulnerable. And uh, so we obviously have to take our security precautions um, serious. And we have we make sure to keep our place safe. And uh, but hatred exists. It exists. Yes, it exists in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, so it's something, you know, I'm, 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 I don't live in fear. Thank God. I'm proud of who I am. I. I live a happy life. My children are, are, are living here and raising them here. And, but, um, but you still got to gotta make sure that you do all that you need to stay safe. What, uh, there's, a, um, there's, a temple, there's a temple on South Padre Island, um, a, a temple, a place of worship, Jewish place of worship in South Padre Island, never met anybody who goes to that temple. I've never met any Jew who lives on South Padre Island, but I think we've talked before. Uh, people say that they are um, from Israel and they're you know, living their life here. Didn't you tell me once you were rabbi down there as well? I wasn't their official rabbi. I'm very close with the community okay. in South Padre Island. Uh, I mentor them. We, 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 uh, we, we help each other out. It's a small Israeli community that found opportunities here in this area and have built a lot of successful businesses and have made a lot of contributions to commerce mm -hmm. uh, in the South Padre Island area. They've developed a lot of the retail business and real estate there and uh, have done wonderful jobs in growing the economy over there. And uh, they live here mostly seasonal in the spring and summer when when life picks up, a great group, great group of people. Most of them, are, most of them are right now in Israel. It's sort of a sin, seasonal Jeez. synagogue, 
uh, I, I know them well, and um, we're in correspondence. We have a small group of Israelis, actually ex-soldiers in the Israeli army that live here in McAllen also, oh. and I've been in touch with them. Are they, so, would, would uh, they be uh, liable to be called back up or to go over and volunteer? Or? It's an interesting question. I don't know uh, where they are in their stage of being considered reserves or not, but my nephew, for instance, um, moved back to America. He finished his time in the Israeli Defense Forces. And he was asked, he was called back, so he took a flight today to Israel. Mm. So I, 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 don't, I don't know the exact like amount of years that you, yeah. even if you move out of the country, if you still are responsible to respond. But I, what I have been told and what we're reading in the news is now every age, every level that's living in Israel, is, they, called, they called up like close to 500,000 reserves right now. This Jeez. is the largest, uh, the largest, uh, um, That's the largest you know, mobilization. Mobilization of Israeli soldiers, I, probably since since 1973, since the Yom Kippur War. So this is this is we're dealing with a very serious situation right now, and I'm praying that the, the leaders in Israel will have the strength and the wisdom to to finally get rid of this problem because we we can if 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 we decided to we could, and um, I think it's important mm. for voices around the world to voice uh, you know their stand on the side of truth right now because. Because this is the opportunity for justice to be heard. Uh, we know what the truth is, and we know the evil of these people. And you know, in, when when six million Jews were killed in in Europe, the world was silent. Yeah. The travesty didn't only come from the Nazis; it came from the world. And um, the question yeah. is now, where you know, where are the voices of the world, not just the Jewish voices of the leaders? I I did get a call today, and I want to. I want to say thank you to that. Uh, Monica de la Cruz, our local congresswoman, called uh -huh. to show her support for Israel and that, uh, and that she's praying and, on, you know, sort of going to do everything to support whatever America can do. And Good we need Monica. more voices like that. Good for Let's Monica. Get more voices out like that. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll ring off uh, with a promise to call you back again as, uh, as it seems uh, appropriate. And we wish, you, uh, we wish you to stay safe. Stay safe and... Um, I'll stop while I'm ahead. You're listening to the 956 Drive Home here on 7 KRV. Rabbi Asher Hecht of Chabad RGV has been our guest. You're listening to the 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge? To stand up to do something. Thank you. The Valley's only news talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. Uh, our, our next guest, um, I'm hoping, will give us a little bit of insight into. Um, I guess the big question, the big, big, big question is how did uh, the people in Hamas mount the attack that went un, un, unseen until it was right, right upon them? Wall Street Journal reported on Friday that Iran helped plot the attack on Israel over several weeks. 
And this, see, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps gave the final go-ahead last Monday in Beirut. Jeffrey Atticott is retired uh, lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army, teaches, he's a full professor of law and teaches at St. Mary's University. Uh, thanks for being with us again. What, what, um, what can you tell us about this? What do you know and what do you suspect? Well, what we know is that Iran is the number one state sponsor of terrorism, and every administration, Republican and Democrat, has told us that. What we cannot understand is why some administrations, the Obama administration, the Biden administration, want to deal with Iran at the negotiating table when they say that they're a state sponsor of terrorism to give them billions of dollars, which they have in the past with the Iran nuclear deal, which was a total fiasco. And now, of course, cutting loose another $6 billion in credits. Um, Yeah, there's no question that Iran is directly behind Hezbollah and Hamas. Everybody knows it. Uh, The question is, of course, how deeply were they involved in the planning of this particular attack? And I would say, based on the sophistication of the attack, having spent 20 years in the Army as the senior legal advisor to all the Green Berets, um, this was directly coordinated by... Uh, a nation state, and the only nation state that's really behind this stuff is Iran. Their fingerprints are all over it, and it astonishes me that our State Department, our Department of Defense, has come out with a statement saying that they find no evidence that Iran has had anything to do with this attack. Um, absolutely absurd. Everybody knows that their fingerprints are all over this attack. You don't. You don't think the State Department's saying that just to trick these the Iranians? They're laying behind a log, as we say in Texas. No, not with the, the the record of the last three years in the Biden administration and their approach to national security. They have bent over backwards to try to get a, uh, a negotiated deal with the Iranians, and, and uh, so we know that as a fact. Uh, they're basically catering to a terrorist state. If they are a terrorist state, and they are, again, why are we even talking to these people? Uh, the only way you deal with terrorists is not to negotiate with them, but to show them a heavy hand, embargo them, uh, ostracize them, alienate them. Uh, you can't bargain with a criminal, and by definition, a terrorist state is a criminal state. What uh, can you? Uh, by the way, we're talking with uh, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott. He's a professor of law and director of the Warrior Defense Project at St. Mary's University School of Law in San Antonio. Uh, and I didn't. I'd forgotten you were former former legal advisor to the Green Berets. Um, what, um, <clears throat> well, what I want to ask you about, I'm going to go ahead and do it as I'm going to bust. I'd seen, and I was trying to find the story real quick, that uh, I'd seen a tweet from a Democrat, Democratic congressman, whose name escapes me, he was, but he was condemning a rally that was held in New York City yesterday, maybe, uh, held by the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. And people are going, what the devil does that have to do with anything? Well, the rally was in support of Hamas. Now, that just yep. stunned me um, that that happened. Are you aware of this? Yes. It, oh, yeah. There, there's fact there's rallies and uh, you know demonstrations all over the country, not just supporting Israel, but ones that are supporting Hamas and the Palestinian uh, so-called cause, quote-unquote. And, uh, yeah, we even have academia in, uh, you know, certain professors at Harvard 
uh, are also coming out in support. And of course, you hear this equivalency, you know, that the violence must stop, uh, that there's a moral equivalency between the, the state of Israel and Hamas, and that's absolutely absurd. There is no moral equivalency, but we know that the United Nations, their number one favorite target to condemn, is Israel. For whatever reason, they have it in their minds that Israel has no right to exist as a nation state, I suppose. That's certainly what Hamas has said, and they've demonstrated it uh, with this attack, this cowardly attack against women and children. Uh, you know, you've seen the images. Mm -hmm. they're, they're raping women, uh, murdering people, and now they're threatening to kill the hostages. Uh, these are not prisoners of war. And people, some of these people, commentators, use terminology like this is a war uh, against a, you know, another nation. These are, these are terrorists. They're like ISIS. Just think ISIS. Oh, and there's boy. only one way to deal with a terrorist organization, and that is to eradicate them in the short term and then close down the Hitler youth camps that train these people in the long term. What, uh, what's this? Um, I, be, I, I didn't pay any attention to it, and I can't bluff my way through it. This $6 billion, which I thought was owed to Iran that we have not been paying or we've not been allowing it to be paid. What's, what's the deal on that? Well, there's two things. One, there is a there is there was some money that was put on hold, and of course, uh, the Obama the Biden administration rather released that money, and uh, it's to be used for humanitarian purposes. But that begs the point. First of all, if the Iranians get six billion dollars in humanitarian purposes, that frees them up for mm -hmm. the money they would have used for these services to uh, devote it towards warfare. So that's a very hollow argument. But the more serious issue is that the Biden administration has allowed Iran to ship millions of barrels of oil under the Trump administration. They were down to, what, 200,000 barrels. Now they're shipping uh, millions of barrels out, and they're making a lot of money. They're being treated as if they are a normal state. And yet again, I go back to my original argument. The Biden administration calls them a terrorist state, the number one sponsor of terrorism. Why in the world are you dealing with them at all is the question all Americans and all civilized people should be asking themselves. They are a pariah. Um, and so, you know, again, Israel is going to be going into the Gaza to do what they have to do to protect themselves. And again, we have people that uh, no matter what, they're going to stay with this idea that Hamas is a legitimate organization and that they are in the right. And uh, it's hard to say you're in the right when you are murdering women and children and uh, Holocaust survivors uh, by the hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds. Uh, nobody's really listening to your just cause when you are engaging in murder and slaughter. Uh, I, I, I don't imagine they're doing it now, but event well, eventually they're going to try to figure out in Israel what the hell happened. How do we miss this, right? How do we miss 9-11? Um, do you have any uh, well, idea? Well, that goes to the fact that Iran's behind it. I mean, you know, they're, again, Hamas is totally controlled by you know, Muslims. There are no Jews in Hamas, uh, excuse me, in, in the Gaza Strip. There's not a single Jewish citizen or person in the Gaza Strip whatsoever. So in many cases, you've got to have intelligence to, you know, relay yeah. information back. Now, the Israelis know they have tunnels. They know they have rockets. They know they have these organizations there. But this has been planned and very sophisticated, and, you know, they've learned how to counter Israeli intelligence, and they've done a good job, which tells you Iran's behind it. Um, you think, um, hmm. 
what what should I ask that I have not asked? What would be useful to the listener to to hear from you? Well, what we're going to see in the coming days is we're going to see the, the individuals that are that are uh, you know uh, objecting to Israel using lawful force to go into the Gaza Strip. It's going to take weeks, maybe months, to subjugate that area and to drive out and to crush that terrorist organization from the face of the earth. That's what we did with ISIS under President Trump. He deleted them geographically from the face of the earth. Um, and that's what the Israelis need to do. They have shown themselves, again, the Israelis have bent over backwards. That area used to be controlled by Israel. Yeah. They cut a peace treaty with them and withdrew every single Israeli from that area. And yet this is how they repay the state of Israel to slaughter civilians by the hundreds. Uh, it's a terrorist uh, enclave and it must be cleaned out. Uh, and that's what the Israelis are going to do. So in the, in the days that come, you're going to hear a lot of people saying, well, Israelis, uh, civilians are dying in Gaza, but there's a big difference here. The Israelis use their weapons to protect their citizens. Hamas uses their citizens to protect their weapons. Hamas hides in schools. They hide in mosques. They hide in UN facilities. They put uh, civilians in harm's way because they're cowards. They don't want to come out and fight in the open, and that's a vast difference. So, yes, civilians are going to die, but the Israelis do not target civilians. Uh, they warn before they send in their military, before they destroy a building, they send in, you know, flyers, leaflets, yeah. emails to tell people to leave. Yeah, yeah, uh, Hamas yeah. does not do that. So there will be civilian casualties, but we need to stay the course, support Israel. Uh, we need to be sending a special forces team over there right now to try to free Ooh. Americans that are hostages. Yeah. I don't know why the Biden administration has not done that. Uh, Professor Adicott, thank you very much. We, we, uh, I'm confident we'll be calling you again about this uh, Thank you very much. Professor Jeffrey Adicott uh, teaches um, law at St. Mary's University School of Law. You're listening to the 956 Drive Home here on 710KRV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURV. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. Dr. Tamir Balchi is Associate Professor of Modern Middle East History at uh, here at UTRGV. Uh, he is originally from Turkey, so he's from over there, as I like to say. Um... So thank you for being with us, Professor uh, Hamas and Hezbollah. Uh, what what are they, and where do they come from? And I guess we should tell who you teach. You have taught a course in in this very subject uh, in the past. Yeah, I caught. I have a graduate course about intellectual and political movements in the Middle East. Actually, Hamas and Hezbollah, they are coming from the 1980s. <laughs> so. They were they were both founded in the 1980s. Actually, Hezbollah was founded in 1982 with uh, Iranian support uh, during the 
Lebanese civil war when Israel invaded southern Lebanon, they were established as a resistance to Israeli invasion of uh, Lebanon. And that's how they started. And they became an influential political party uh, in Lebanon. And they're still effective, actually. They're highly effective. They have ministers and politicians. They're part of the government. They they're have, part of the governing... They're part of the government, yeah. They have... That's why, actually, you know, United States considers Hezbollah as a terrorist organization, but European Union, they consider their militant wing as a terrorist organization, but uh, not the political wing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is. It is. It, I don't know how do they distinguish it, uh, and they have been active and dominant in uh, Lebanon, and they are mainly Shia, coming from Shia background, and that's why they are backed by Iran heavily. Yes. And Hamas actually comes from Sunni background. They were established in 1987. They were uh, they were pretty much inspired ideologically from Muslim Brotherhood of Egypt, okay, which goes which goes back to 1920s, and they're also involved in ele electoral politics. When they started, actually, back in 1987, that was during the first Intifada, resistance to Israeli occupation of West Bank and Gaza, and that's how they started and. They first started actually more like a humanitarian organization, but they become more politicized, and then later on they start they started staging attacks against uh, Israel, including suicide bombings. That's why actually United States did not declare them as a terrorist organization until 1997. Oh. Uh, so after the series of suicide bombings increased, then they. U.S. declared Hamas as a terrorist organization. And over the years, uh, in 2006, actually, they got the control of Gaza Strip yes. uh, with an election. They won the election against PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization, that has been dominating Palestinian uh, territories before. And they had uh, internal struggle between Hamas and PLO and then Hamas got control of Gaza Strip, and PLO got kind of control of West Bank. Okay. We're talking with uh, Dr. Tamir Balchi, who teaches uh, Middle Eastern history or Middle East history at UTRGV and has taught about uh, the history of, of Hamas and Hezbollah. Two different – I don't want to offend anybody, but it's two different, two different flavors of Islam, and they're, they, don't, they don't really get along, as I understand. Seems to me, um, and there's many different flavors of Islam too. If you want to spend an afternoon yeah. reading about one thing and another, uh, so uh, it, when they were founded, I thought Hamas was founded explicitly to destroy the state of Israel. That was part of their. This is why we're. This is why we're. Actually, it, is, it, it has been the goal for both of them. <laughs> okay. And I they mean, both of them. They. They say that as a and then they set the goal to destroy Israel. Yes, and that's what I'm being. I'm being kind of. I'm, I'm being explicit about this. That's their explicit. One of their explicit goals is to destroy the state of Israel. Yes. Okay. So why do they want to destroy the state of Israel? I mean, this is politics. You know, when they're 
when they're attracting supporters on their camp, mm-hmm. they set they set very ambitious goals. But if, if, when it comes to real politics, I'm sure they would be willing to negotiate and accept the coexistence. Uh, PLO was the same, Palestinian Liberation Organization, from their foundation in the 1960s up to the ni- up to the ni- late 1980s. They always resisted two two state solution, and then finally they reach an agreement on a two state solution. And Hamas I, uh, started on the same background, and then uh, right now they are still on the are on the area that they would like to destroy state of Israel, but they have not they have no power uh, uh-huh. to do that. But it it so it serves them as a motivational uh, source to attract supporters. Does Hezbollah want to destroy the state of Israel too? Yes, that was the goal from the beginning when they were established. And the reason I'm, I'm asking you leading questions: the reason they want to destroy the state of Israel, as I understand it, is they view the the uh, state of Israel as um, illegitimate, that it, it's, um, it's, it's not their, I don't know how to phrase it, it's not their land, that uh, they, they shouldn't have a state unto themselves. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's correct. They consider it more like a colony, uh, colonial power. Well, what do they think should be there? Wherever this, where, You look on a map and you see the outlines of the state of Israel, country of Israel, what do they want to be there? I mean, their their argument mainly is that Israel was founded with the immig- uh, with massive immigration, and because there were waves of immigrants, uh, or in Israelis would call uh, aliyah, more like a aliyah, more like returning to the homeland. Yeah, Israel argument, and but in their argument, they become a colonial power because I think from the beginning both sides. Uh, started on the wrong foot because there was a resistance to coexistence, to living together from the beginning, and that's why there was this. It was mutually destructive from the beginning. From when we look at go back to forty-seven, forty-eight war, right after um, foundation of Israel, and because when the state was founded, Jews were minority at that time. Really, and. Yes, uh, over over the time, Jewish population took over, but now it is gradually because now Israel has been taking many Jews from abroad, uh, Jews living in uh, different countries. They have been moving to Israel. Last big wave was after the collapse of the Soviet Union, and Russian Jews moved there. But now, population increase rate among the Palestinians is higher than the. Uh, Population increased rate among the Jews, so there is actually a population uh, demographic problem that the Arab people living in Israel. I'm not talking about West Bank and Gaza. There are actually yeah. Israeli citizens who are Arabs. Yes, living in the Israeli territories, their population may uh, outnumber the Jewish population. And there are also Arab. I guess you'd say Arab there, Arabs who are a Christian, are, Christian uh, there, religion. There are Christians, there are Muslims, and so there is this pressure, Israelis deal, uh, have it, but 
when it comes to uh, major cause of the problem, from the beginning there was neither sides agreed on two state solution. Yeah, and yeah, that's I'm, why yeah, they, in the early 1990s we see the first first time at least on paper they agreed, but up until there's a statehood for the Palestinians, for Palestinians we will we will be seeing these wars every few years. This is not the first time. I mean, within my lifetime, I lost the count how many times there have been clashes, there have been fights, bombings, oh, yeah. and killings. And so up until a, a peaceful agreement, a two-state solution, this will happen, unfortunately. Dr. Balci, we've, uh, we, we must leave it there, but uh, I'll, I'll do that with a promise to have you back perhaps soon to comment on this. We've been talking with Dr. Tamir Balci of UTRGV on the history of Hamas and Hezbollah. Hamas is the organization which has mounted this horrific assault on on Israel, Israelis, and Jews. You're listening to the 956 Drive Home here on 710KYV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radiopotomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.